This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is Thursday, February 24th, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a a pretty interesting show today as we continue our series looking at first-year head coaches, obviously a lot of movement in the college football world ahead of the early signing period and even afterward. And next up is Brian Kelly at LSU, and and we're not going to really dissect his dance moves just yet, Cooper Patania, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, but I- I'm not saying we're not going to critique his dance moves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, he puts it out there, so I, I respect it, you know, but uh, he's had quite the few months since arriving in Baton Rouge, and, um, you know, that's that's good for him. I know everybody's kind of getting after him on the, on the national scene, but I'm, I'm glad to see he's having fun down there. I think he's just trolling people at this point, right? Like, I think he realizes that it's a gimmick and it's kind of a bit, and he's now just having fun with it. And it's tough, I'm sure, for a a coach who is taking a role at LSU without much uh, background there in the state of Louisiana and, and without a, much of a foothold in, in that region. Um, obviously, he's been at Notre Dame and been a known commodity nationally, but I think to be able to really kind of get into some homes and and be talked about, I, I think you know there's there's some strategy involved in the way he's trying to go viral. Sure. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a completely different situation coming from Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame, one of the, the most academic prestigious programs in the country to LSU. And listen, he's got a hundred million dollar contract over 10 years. He can certainly be himself, you know, and, and from him going to from Notre Dame and where he's been that part of the country to Baton Rouge, it's certainly a transition. And I mean, that's all you can ask for. Hopefully that is true and authentic to, to himself. And, you know, I think it, you don't want to, to, to uh, over-evaluate it, but I, you know, hopefully that has resonated with some people. And I guess I think that's probably a good thing for people to kind of see that side of his personality. Yeah. And obviously heading into the early signing period last December, there was so much made about the coaching carousel and, and all the movement throughout college football. What did you make of the way Brian Kelly was able to close in such a short amount of time? And did that give you any optimism if you're an LSU fan about kind of the direction of what his recruiting can be? Well, I think his his biggest plus coming in was is that he was an organizer, somebody that had a really good feel for the overarching pulse and macro level agenda of the program and, and really what that means. And in year one, I think he did a really good job in a short couple of weeks addressing the immediate needs on the roster of the program. They were very active in the transfer portal, signed 13 players in the transfer portal. And a lot of those guys, I think, really strategic. You talk about guys with Louisiana roots and Jarek Bernard uh, from Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, a couple of these other guys, Greg Brooks, Joe Fusha from from Arkansas, both of those guys and guys that didn't have offers from LSU coming out of high school, uh, but now have the opportunity to go back and play for the school that they want strength of. I, I think there is a little bit of strategy there. And then on top of it, 
being able to close on a guy like Harold Perkins, obviously one of the, the highest revered players in the country and a top 10 player in the top 24-7, that was big too. And, and I think we'll get into this later in the conversation, but Harold Perkins originally from New Orleans, I think that's going to be the key for Brian Kelly, being able to keep the top players in the state of Louisiana, whether it's been Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, both of those guys have done a good job but the hard part is you got Nick Saban around the corner, always lurking around, who's coming in and going to provide a lot of competition as well. But I thought he did a really good job balancing the needs uh, from a short-term and a long-term perspective on, on the roster management front. I do think that there is a level of, I want to say there's a, a kind of a level of him striving to maybe overshadow the pool that he had at Notre Dame, right? Because when you wear that polo and you're going out and meeting with coaches and meeting with parents and, and, and prospective student athletes, Notre Dame carries a, a different type of weight. And I think there is a sense of him trying to accomplish himself as a, a recruiter that is known for more than just being attached to something, right? Like I, I think everyone could say, oh, you know, you're wearing that Notre Dame polo, you're going to be able to pull in whoever you want as long as they meet, they, they meet that academic profile. Now he's going to be recruiting a completely different type of recruit against and competing against a completely different type of, of competition. You know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the, the Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, that whole region is is now going to be a kind of more of a difficult way for him to navigate the, the, the recruiting process. And I thought it was very interesting the way he surrounded himself with some assistants that can help him do that. Because like I mentioned, he doesn't really have ties down in, in the Southeast, um, has been dabbling here and there in, in recent recruiting sites and going down there to meet with recruits. So he does have some connections, but he was no Ed Orgeron by any means in terms of, you know, bleeding that gold and, and purple. And, and and I feel like the staff that he put together and bringing in over one of his assistants, Brian Polian, who's one of the most, most trusted recruiters on, on his staff at Notre Dame, um, I thought was a very significant move for him. Yeah, very intentional. If you, if you look at the way that he constructed this coaching staff and he had full autonomy to do so. So I think a lot of thought went into this and, and you can kind of see a little bit of the touches, I guess, from the higher administration. Scott Woodward, the AD, probably had a little bit of input on a couple of these hires, I would imagine. And, and Frank Wilson, the running back coach who came over from McNeese State, was a head coach over there in Lake Charles and uh, spent a lot of time at LSU earlier in his career under Les Miles. He is the Don in New Orleans. That is the guy who gets things done down there in South Louisiana. So that was a big one as well. Brad Davis, he kept on staff, the offensive line coach who's originally from Baton Rouge. And then they hire Cortez Hankton as a receiver's coach and passing game coordinator from the Georgia Bulldogs, where he played his ball at St. Alec High School in New Orleans as well. So you have three Louisiana guys on the offensive side of the ball. You, you talk about Polian as well, who is certainly a very highly respected national recruiter at, at Notre Dame, Jamar Kane, who they was at Oklahoma. They flipped from USC and, and Lincoln Riley, uh, Matt House, who they bring from the NFL. So you get this really interesting dynamic of guys that have Louisiana ties that are very well established, that are cut from the same cloth, have SEC experience, have NFL experience, and they've been in that region. And that just speaks volumes about a coach to me that is very socially aware of what his strengths are and what are the the needs and areas of his program that he needs to address. And I think he's done that. And um, certainly you look at, you know, looking at, at what they finished with last year, you look at Earl Perkins, Will Campbell, Walker Howard, Quincy Wiggins, Emory Jones. Those are all top two, four, seven players signed out of high school, all from the, all from Louisiana. 
And I think that's really the theme right there. All those guys are going to be a key part in their program, uh, especially Wiggins and Jones, who we like a lot that have a really good chance of outperforming uh, their projections. So I like what Brian Kelly has done to me, and it doesn't really seem like it's been rushed either. I think that's everything that they've done has, has seemed very intentional with a clear direction and vision. You want a glimpse of of what some college coaches view the LSU job as. Jamar Kane, who you mentioned, was at LSU or was at USC for a couple of weeks recruiting as part of Lincoln Riley's new staff after heading over from Oklahoma and ends up flipping to LSU uh, to join that staff. Right, so that that's kind of indicative of of how high profile this this position is for for a lot of these assistant coaches and and for recruiters. And I think they realize how how unique of an opportunity this is to be start uh, to be a part of something that's that's about to begin. We've taken a look at what Brian Kelly has done uh, since the early signing period, and we're going to look ahead to the 2023 class. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo, joined by National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patania. He covers everything for 24-7 Sports, a big-time evaluator, and he's got, a, a, I think, a nose for, for what's going on. And, and before we get back to Brian Kelly, Cooper, I did want to give you a shout-out because Auburn football put out a graphic after the Under Armour camp down in the state of Florida, where you were this past weekend, where you named the Alpha Dog, and then Auburn turns and sends a graphic to that recruit calling him the Alpha Dog. So thank you, Auburn, for reading. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Auburn for the love. But actually, not to go down the rabbit hole here, but that Lucas Simmons kid who ended up, that was the Alpha Dog in, in Miami. And he's six foot seven, three hundred pounds, originally from from Sweden. You know, kind of had like the hero Kanu kind of background a little bit. Who was originally from Germany and was in our top twenty four seven last year. But this is a guy who is super super intriguing, and uh, you'll see moving up our boards very quickly here soon. Yeah, Alpha Dog and, and Auburn sending us some love. So thank you, Auburn, for checking out 24-7 Sports. Let's move on to some of the prospects that LSU will will be aiming to land here in the 2023 class. And every year, LSU is you know a big, big target for them and a, and a big objective of every recruiting class is to put up a fence around the state of Louisiana. And, and it begins with Arch Manning, the five-star quarterback with the famous uncles, number one player in the 2023 class and you know right now it does appear like LSU has now gotten into the picture again after the arrival of of Brian Kelly how important would that be for LSU recruiting to be able to land Arch Manning well I think you said it you talked about LSU recruiting it's it's the sole focus of getting the number one player in the class and what that player 
has the ability to do at the next level. But outside of that, what that means for for LSU on a on a much bigger scale is 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 huge. It's kind of hard to put into words what that would mean. I think that would be really huge for Brian Kelly. Talk about Brian Kelly and the job that he did at Notre Dame in terms of recruiting. If there was one criticism of him, it was never really able to get that quarterback position right. So I think that is something that is going to be closely evaluated and examined here at LSU during his tenure at Baton Rouge. Who is he going to surround himself with and who's going to be the signal caller in Baton Rouge? And if he can do that, starting with 2023, the number one player in the class, not to mention a leg or excuse me, not a legacy, but the legacy of the name Manning, and not to mention someone who's grew up just in, in New Orleans and down the street, what that would mean for the program would, would be huge, uh, not only for LSU, but for Brian Kelly. Yeah, Arch Manning, all eyes will be on him and his recruitment in the coming months as as he navigates through the process. A few other guys that LSU right now appears to be in, in good position with are Derek Williams. He's a four-star safety, a top 50 prospect in the composite. A crystal ball has gone already in for, for LSU, as well as Shelton Sampson Jr. He's out of Baton Rouge. Another four-star prospect, the receiver, 6'4", 180. Um, and he's a, another top 100 prospect in the 2023 class who has a crystal ball to LSU. Anything stand out to you about either of those guys and, and how big of a priority they could be for the Tigers? I would imagine they'd be huge priorities. We're, we're getting ready to put out our, our top 247, and, and Derek Williams is certainly a guy who will be moving up. Sheldon Sampson, I believe, as well. Um, but Derek Williams, a very physical downhill type of safety, almost going to be kind of a third safety box, uh, kind of overhang type of guy who will play closer to the line of scrimmage, but is rangy and can track the ball, can play sideline to sideline type of guy that really kind of fits uh, the play temperament of the SEC. And then Sheldon Sampson, a guy in your backyard like that, you don't find many guys, six foot four, 190 pounds in that range uh, that had the ball skills and, and the initial quickness and suddenness in and out of routes as he does. So two guys priority um, for LSU. And I would imagine, you know, if, if LSU does right by them, they're probably sitting in the driver's seat for both those guys. I think two other guys that we'll bring up or maybe three other guys, Jaden Osbury, who was a legacy. Uh, his brother ended up going to Auburn last season, but he plays right there on campus at ULAB, kind of a six foot, 210 modern size NFL linebacker, which just means those guys are usually more running chase guys. Tackett Curtis, uh, who is one of my favorite guys in the class uh, from Manny, Louisiana, kind of reminds me of Garrett Wallow, who used to play his ball down there at John Curtis in New Orleans and ended up playing at TCU's now in the NFL with the Texans. And then Kylan Jackson, uh, strong safety from Zachary, uh, who we like a lot as well. Yeah, and LSU already has a prospect committed in the top 10 for the state of Louisiana in this 2023 class. That would be four-star wide receiver Omarion Miller out of Vivian, Louisiana. And before we go, Coop, I, I did want to ask you what you think this class needs after seeing what what Ed Orgeron was able to close with in 22 and, and how Brian Kelly was able to clean up uh, after arriving in Baton Rouge. Is there one specific area besides you know the quarterback that we mentioned with Arch Manning where LSU needs to improve upon in the high school ranks? I think there's a lot. This is probably going to be a, a long-winded answer, but I think this just <laughs> hey, goes hey, to... I was at, I, I will say, I will preface it. I was at the Rose Bowl, so I got a, a really early season glimpse at what LSU was, and it, it wasn't very pretty. Yeah. It, you know, I think it's more of a longer rebuild, which just goes to show, I think Brian Kelly, like the expectations are going to be high as they should be at LSU, but he he has his work cut out for him, even though he's had a really good initial run here at LSU in terms of recruiting and uh, what they're trying to accomplish. But he has his hands full. I think what's important for them 
and which is really interesting with Brian Kelly, if he can reinvent the success that he had at Notre Dame in terms of developing offensive linemen, that is not a place outside of 2019 where LSU won the national championship that they've been particularly strong or consistent. So I think him working alongside Brad Davis, that's going to be a big undertaking. Then on the flip side of that, Jamar Kane, which is the reason that they invested so heavily in the defensive line, that's going to be a spot too. They, they go finish strong. They get a guy in uh, Quincy Wiggins last year who has a chance. If he puts it together, he's got a chance to be special. He, he's a day one type of talent, especially seeing him in San Antonio. He's just scratching the surface. And then on both sides of the ball, running back and linebacker. Uh, and I think you look at running back and you look at the lineage of running backs that LSU's had, Leonard Fournette, Darius Geis, Clyde Edwards, Elair, some of these guys. And then you know, Ty Davis Price has been, a, has been a really good back. John Emery just hasn't been able to play because he's had academic issues. They need to get healthy there, but they, there's also, and they, and they brought in Noah Kane from Penn State. There's another gear there that needs to be reached. Frank Wilson's certainly the guy to be able to, to bring LSU back to where they need to be there. And then linebacker as well. I mean, we've talked about guys like Patrick Queen and Devin White. And I mean, these guys are very good football players. We're talking about Pro Bowl, all pro players in the NFL, both first round picks. And there was, you know, Kendall Beckwith, all, all this lineage of, of where LSU used to be a pipeline for these positions. And I think that's what they have to get back to. They have to get back to the roots there. They have to get back to recruiting very well in the trenches and at the mid-skill positions. And if you look at what they have at receiver right now, you're talking about Jack Besh. You're talking about Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors. They are extremely talented. And then not to mention tight end as well. So Brian Kelly, a guy who likes to be in 12, 13 personnel, he loves tight ends. Right now, you got Jack Mashburn and, and Cole Taylor, and Jack Besh is probably more of a receiver. So they're going to need some guys, uh, which was kind of the, the hard part of losing out on Danny Lewis to, to Alabama uh, late in the cycle. But they're going to need some guys at tight end. And I, I think you're going to see this blend probably for one more year where they're going to lean on the transfer portal a little bit heavy, maybe not as many as 13 guys, but probably seven or eight, maybe nine with the high school trend. And then hopefully by year three, you're kind of back to a baseline, but they have a ton of needs. I think that is one thing that to keep in perspective. They're very young. They were very depleted. They had 39 guys, 38 guys on, on scholarship for the Texas Bowl against Kansas State. So this is a roster that is in, in complete reconstruction mode. Um, and any type of success that they can have this year if he can win nine games this year in the sec his first year that's going to do wonders for lsu and brian kelly and baton rouge there is no question the spotlight will be on brian kelly during his first year and first true recruiting cycle at lsu and we thank cooper patania national recruiting analyst for 24 7 sports and our very own alpha dog for joining us to, to break it down coop <laughs> thank you so much Appreciate it, Blair. Thank you. All right, that is Cooper Britannia. You can follow him on Twitter at cpritannia247. For Cooper and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. And have a great weekend, everybody. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.